grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. The text for our meditation this evening, the epistle reading that we heard just a moment ago, the epistle for the eighth Sunday after Trinity, Romans 8, 12 to 17, especially these words. So then, brothers, we are debtors, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. We are debtors. Kind of a scary line, isn't it? It should be. We are in the midst of a debt crisis in our world and in our country that none of us alive have ever seen before. In our country, the nation's credit rating was recently downgraded. The statement was, the United States government is, quote, fiscally irresponsible, unquote. It took 209 years for the federal government to amass $1.8 trillion in debt. And we doubled that adding another $1.8 trillion in debt in the last eight weeks. I think fiscally irresponsible is probably a pretty good description. But it's not just people out there that are having a debt crisis. Individuals all throughout our land are having a debt crisis. Bankruptcies are up. Foreclosures are up. Delinquencies on loan payments at a record high. Personal credit card balances average $7,300 per individual. And what makes that even scarier is that average personal savings is about 5000 per individual. Those things are simply not sustainable. The total credit card debt in the United States last week surpassed $1 trillion for the first time ever. How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? Well, maybe you feel pretty good about yourself. Boy, I'm glad I don't have that kind of debt. But this is the world that we live in. This is what our brothers and sisters are dealing with. To make you worried? Set in a little panic or depression? There's nothing like a debt crisis to instill fear, real fear, in your heart. Then you come to church, and you hear God's word. So then, brothers, we are debtors. What in the world? That little phrase 
at the beginning of our text, at the beginning of verse 12 of Romans 8. So then. So then. It's a a summary statement. What follows is going to summarize everything that has come before. We are right in the middle of Romans 8, one of the all-time great chapters in Scripture. Romans 8 is in the middle of the book of Romans, one of the great all-time epistles of the Apostle Paul. So then, what is the Holy Spirit under Paul's writing summarizing for us? Romans 1 and 2 and the first half of Romans 3 are some of the most harsh law in all of Scripture. It describes a world without God. It describes what people are like apart from God, apart from Jesus Christ. Sin run wild. Sin run amok. It is painful to read the first two and a half chapters of Romans. Painfully real. And we see this reality in so much of our world today. Then about in the middle of chapter 3, Paul gives us the answer. The antidote. Jesus, God in the flesh for us and for our salvation. Romans 3, 4, and 5 in great detail talk about not only who Jesus is, but why Jesus came. To save sinners, sinners like you and me, who are lost in the trespasses of our sin. There is no difference. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are freely justified by the blood of Jesus. The answer to our sin, both personally and corporately, worldwide, is the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus came, to justify us, to declare us righteous, not because of who we are, or what we do, or what we say, or what we pray, but by the perfect life obedient death and glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are justified in Christ Jesus. How do I get it? Romans 6 talks about how God delivers Good Friday and Easter justification to the sinner in the waters of holy baptism. We are branded as His own. We are adopted into His family. And Romans 7 teaches us the reality. As baptized Christians, we still sin. We sin daily. We sin much. Every Christian has a battle going on inside of him or her. It is the battle between this new life in Christ and the old Adam that lives tenaciously inside of us. It is a battle. It is a battle that wages every day. 
You will never overcome this battle, this strife, until the day you die. And if you think you have, you have a false sense of security. You know the words that Paul writes? That echo in our hearts and minds? All the good that I should do, I don't do it. All the evil that I should stay away from, I keep right on doing it. Who can save this wretched person that I am? And then he says, thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 8 begins with one of the most beautiful passages in all Scripture. Because of what Christ has done for you. So now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, it's another way of talking about people who are baptized into Christ. In Christ Jesus, it's another way of talking about faith. There is therefore now no condemnation for you, dear Christian. Yes, you struggle with sin, but Christ has paid the penalty. Yes, you battle your old Adam. You battle the world and Satan himself every day. But you are not condemned because Jesus Christ stands condemned for you. So what is this debtor thing? In light of everything that Christ has done for us. The Apostle Paul so then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh. You know, sometimes English is a lot more complicated than it needs to be. We are debtors not to the flesh. You know another way to say that? We are not debtors to the flesh. That sounds a lot better, doesn't it? We are not debtors to the old Adam that lives inside of us. We are not debtors to the sin and the passion and the lusts that wage inside of our hearts. We are not slaves to sin. If you're not a slave, what does that mean? It means you're free. It means you're free. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. What Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is talking about here is there are basically two kinds of people in our world. Those who live in harmony with the mindset of the sinful nature. They have cast off their freedom in Christ and they have gone back to a slavery, a slavery of sin. And those who live in harmony 
with the mindset of the spiritual nature that has been given to you in the waters of holy baptism. You have been given the undeserved gift of forgiveness, everlasting life, and peace, peace of heart, peace of mind. Your sinful nature wants you to be a slave to sin. And if you are a slave to sin, you are constantly living in fear. Fear of getting caught. Fear of the punishment you're going to have to pay. Fear of what other people are thinking or saying. And all of these things are shadows of the real fear. Fear of facing God on the last day. Because you know your self-justifying words and actions just won't cut it. So here in our text, it says we are debtors. When you're a debtor, whether it's to the bank, to the mortgage company, to the loan shark, it's a type of slavery, a very real slavery. We are debtors, but not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. God's Word teaches us that we are slaves. We are debtors. We are slaves and debtors, not to sin, not to Satan, not to passions and lusts, but to the one true God, the God who loves us, who has given His Son for us, who has set us free. And now we freely and willingly put ourselves in service of the God whose love will never fail. James says it this way. James 1, verses 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. What an amazing word picture God gives us through James. The, the gestation and the maturity of sin that leads to death. Paul in Ephesians 4 says, But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. 
and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off the old. Put on the new. What Paul here is teaching us in Ephesians 4 is the same thing Luther teaches us in the small catechism. Baptism, part 4. What does such baptizing with water signify? It signifies that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance drown and die daily with all of its sin and passions and lusts. And daily emerge a new creation ready to love God and serve our neighbor. This is the life of a Christian. Yes, the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh will continue to attack us, but we don't listen to them. We listen to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's testimony, the Word of God. We listen to the testimony of the new life, the new spirit that God has given us. This double testimony says, you're a Christian. You are baptized. Die with that sin and evil loss and live. Live in the freedom that God has given you. And finally, two chapters earlier in Romans. Romans 6 beginning at verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You know, there is kind of a, a freedom in our sin. And do whatever you want. You're not answerable to anybody. It's a sick freedom. It's a bogus and counterfeit freedom, but there is kind of a freedom there. But he goes on. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? How did that turn out for you? How did all those late night binges turn out for you? How did all that wild, crazy spending turn out for you? How did showing up for work whenever you felt like it turn out for you? These are the things that eventually catch up to us. And we are ashamed. And God says, the end of those things is death. And now verse 22. But now, now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. God has holied you in the waters of holy baptism. He has adopted you into his family. You are a son or a daughter of the one true God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit adopted into the family. And if you are a member of the family, Paul teaches us in our text, then you are an heir. H-E-I-R. What do heirs get? They get an inheritance. You are an heir. What kind of inheritance 
Are you going to get? Are you going to get enough money to pay off all your debt? Not that kind of inheritance. Eternal life. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God, our inheritance, is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. My friends, we are all debtors. Unfortunately, the fiscal and financial kind as well. It's good to get those things under control. It'd be really good to pay off the church debt too. But Paul is teaching us tonight, spiritually, we are debtors. All of us are. You're either a debtor to your sin and your old way of life. Or you have been set free from your sin and are now a free and willing slave of the God who set you free. And in that slavery, there is peace. There is joy. There is contentment. There is confidence. And there is no fear. Perfect love drives away all fear. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds and lives and debt in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.